Um, great, so thank you for taking time. Uh, also, if you're a coordinator or teacher of a Sunday school class, thank you for giving up uh, some of that valuable discipleship time uh, to come here. Um, I, my um, motive uh, in having this uh, time, can everybody hear me? Are y'all good back there? Uh, my motive uh, for having this time together um, is really just to have a family conversation, right? A community conversation. There's not a lot that's changed uh, for the Methodist Church with regard to this social issue. But because it's in the news, I thought, well, you know, let's talk about it together. Um, but, you know, I could have, you know, written a newsletter article. I, you know, I could have recorded a video. I could have done a lot of different ways to get the message out to y'all. But I thought um, conversations like this, where um, relationships and uh, trust and community and scripture are all involved, uh, probably would do better uh, if we had the conversation together as a family. Um, as you're coming in, come on in. Um, there are handouts, but uh, we ran out, and so there'll be more coming. Uh, Kate will, is making the photocopies right now, so when she comes back, uh, raise your hand if you don't have one, and we'll pass one out to you. Um, I think about this issue, I wonder if our conversation can be divided up into three areas. Um, the first area, let's figure out and make sure we're all aware of what the stance of the church is on homosexuality and same-sex marriage, okay? Uh, that's one of the handouts. Those of you who have it, that's the one that says Q&A. Um, the second conversation is, uh, let's address the bishop's letter. Uh, our bishop, Bishop Janice Riggle Huey, uh, sent out a letter in advance of uh, the Supreme Court's decision anticipating uh, what that decision might be. Um, and she gives some direction uh, for how we should be in ministry with and to uh, all people, but yet still respecting the fact that a change in federal law does not change the religious practices of the United Methodist Church. And then the third section, uh, I wonder if we could spend some time um, either talking about uh, relationships or challenges or scripture, right? Everybody, you know, we're all uh, a work in progress uh, on this issue. And um, uh, demographics tell us that um, uh, in any gathering of this size, uh, there are many folk who have relationship, either family or friendship, uh, with those who are uh, L, G, B, T, or Q. Um, and so respecting those relationships are really uh, helpful and important. That was, uh, uh, yeah, okay, I heard, a, uh, anyways, right, so let's um, uh, do the work of figuring out uh, the stance of the church. Um, who speaks for the denomination? This is a nice polity question. Anybody wanna, I know the Agape class just went through uh, Jim Hill's boot camp on Methodist polity. Um, the people who speak for the uh, Methodist Church is the General Conference. Uh, we have a system of conferencing, right? Uh, at the local church, we call it uh, a church or charge conference. Um, at the regional level, we call it an annual conference. Um, at a little bit larger than the regional level, but not uh, everybody, uh, we would call it a jurisdictional conference. And then once every four years, there is a general conference, which uh, every United Methodist congregation sends representatives uh, to the annual, and the annual uh, conference elects a delegation that goes to the general conference. 
Uh, General Conference is the only group that can speak for the United Methodist Church. And so every four years, it is one huge legislative festival um, as they vote and refine, vote and refine. And the product of that um, is an ongoing publication called the Book of Discipline and the Book of Resolutions, right? Are we all, so we're looking, we're thinking like in terms of majority and supermajority for decisions. So when you get, raise your hand if you don't have the handouts, Kate's back uh, and she'll ha- pass them out. So the Q&A uh, handout that's two pages, um, it is all sourced to the book of discipline and to the book of resolutions. Any questions about how we make this, how we have statements, who makes those statements and how we get to them? Silence is acceptance. All right, so um, on the Q&A, I just kind of run down um, some of the standard questions about it. I use um, quotes straight from the Book of Discipline. Um, so there, there's a lot of, yeah, keep raising your hands uh, if you need the handouts. There's two of them. One is the Q&A, the other is the bishop's letter. All right, um, so it's fair to say that, there, that, that our uh, stance on the issue of homosexuality and same-sex marriages is um, complex. Um, when you're talking about who can join the church, who can visit the church, um, who can receive sacraments, um, we are a church that is open and inclusive. When you talk about civil rights for people in same-sex civil partnerships, uh, we want everyone to have civil rights. Uh, it's not that we say, we just want folk who are gay to have civil rights. We, we really want everyone, whether it's uh, gender or age uh, or ethnic or uh, economic, right? This does not matter. And so we include in that also sexual orientation. So as you move through, right? So uh, who can attend, who can join, who can receive sacraments? Lots of open acceptance. When we get to the point of who can be ordained, one of the restrictions on who can be ordained is we don't ordain self-avowed practicing homosexuals. Um, The statement that many of you already know from the Book of Discipline that says that homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching, that's a quote from the Book of Discipline. It's a a helpful quote when people are trying to figure out uh, are we ambiguous Uh, on the issue of homosexuality. No, we're not, because the Book of Discipline says it's incompatible with Christian teaching. And that's under the section that addresses uh, ordination, right? Uh, And so we get a little bit more serious when we start talking about who will lead uh, our congregations. Um, From there, um, you can begin talking about same-sex marriage. And the the answer is pretty quick on same-sex marriage. Um, not in our churches and not by our pastors, right? So it's not, you know, the pastor can't go someplace else and do a same-sex marriage. And um, the pastor cannot invite someone who's not Methodist to come and do the marriage in their hall, right? You know, it's not a hall that can be rented. It's a sanctuary uh, that is used for worship. Um, is, that, is that helping, right? Um, now, uh, I, I think it's important uh, to have some conversation around uh, the, the, let's see, the bottom of the Q&A. Yeah, so we do say more about uh, human sexuality than just um, you can't be ordained. 
Um, we say things um, about um, uh, sexual abuse. We say things uh, that all are of sacred worth, uh, made in the image of God, and that all is, is all, all, right? Uh, we do talk um, a little bit about the commercialization, uh, um, abuse and exploitation of sex that's down at the bottom of the front page, right? So there's more to life and more to the discussion of sexuality than just about uh, same gender relationships. Um, so, the, at the, so if you're looking on the back page, the first full paragraph, it starts with, we affirm that all persons are, in, are individuals of sacred worth, right? You find that paragraph? If you look at the last sentence of that paragraph, we commit ourselves to be in ministry for and with all persons, okay? Um, that is a place in which the bishop spends a lot of time in her letter on uh, talking about what does it look like to be in ministry for and with all people. Are we, I, I'm not trying to create confusion. Is everybody at the same place? Um, okay. Uh, so um, some of the guidance that our bishop has given us uh, in, uh, in recognition of the change in federal law is uh, when folk come uh, to um, attend or join the congregation, if they are of a same-sex uh, marriage or partner, civil partnership, um, it is um, uh, uh, important to be respectful um, and thereby listing them as a family group. Uh, sometimes in the past, um, some more um, uh, conservative or evangelical United Methodist churches would have listed them separately and not as a family group. Um, also, um, uh, if uh, that partnership has uh, children uh, in the household and they bring them for uh, baptism, uh, that is something our bishop says you do. Now, there's some theology behind that. We recognize that baptism in the United Methodist Church, whether it's of an infant or a child or an adult, is not an act of the pastor and not an act of the family, but it is a giving of grace by God. And we would, you can make the argument that God's grace is available to all. I've got a hand, yes. Oh wait, let's get a microphone over there. So since God's grace is available to all, that means that we would also be willing to baptize um, their partner. If one came in as a believing Christian and the other came in, Yes. we would, okay. Yeah, yeah. and the Book of Discipline, it talks about, um, there in the front page, the first couple of questions, it's under eligibility and inclusiveness, uh, recognizing that all people, the, the catchphrase, uh, for those who read too much of the Book of Discipline, is that all people are of sacred worth. All people are of sacred worth, and all are made in the image of God. Um, the uh, restrictions come when we start talking about who would be um, suitable for ordination. Um, yeah, so that's, I think, a fair... It's back to that kind of two-handed approach, right? Um, the, the Book of Discipline will not go far enough as to say that a same-sex marriage is a marriage. We define clearly um, in the book of worship, in the book of discipline, and believe that the Bible says that marriage is between a man uh, and a woman, right? One man, one woman. Um, and so um, the choice by the Supreme Court to rule in favor of same-sex marriages does not make a change in our religious practices, right? It is our religious belief 
that marriage is one man, one woman. Um, and, and so uh, that's where things start to get uh, stickier, right? Uh, we, we welcome, we are in ministry with and for, uh, certainly uh, thankful uh, as they uh, take the step of membership, um, certainly uh, um, look forward uh, to their role in the community, um, but we do not go as far um, as to say um, that it's uh, completely inclusive when it comes to issues of um, same-sex marriage. Okay, so, um, so keeping going here, right? So that big passage on the back after the statement that says we commit ourselves to be in ministry with and for all persons, um, the social principles in 2012 unpacked that for us. It's uh, what does it mean that the denomination commits itself uh, to being in ministry for and with all persons. Um, in this, uh, the three huge pa- paragraphs that make up that answer, uh, it does address uh, baptism. Um, it does also address um, the fellowship of the church. And it also talks about um, being supportive uh, to folk uh, who are struggling with this issue, recognizing uh, that teens dealing with questions about sexual orientation are at a greater risk for suicide. Um, So in the caring for, right, when you think about our organization of the church, uh, our four major areas are worship, connect, grow, and serve. Uh, Worship is about connecting people to God in a hopeful, um, restorative way. Uh, Connect is both the fellowship and the caregiving function of the church. Right, I, I know uh, we all uh, think of ourselves as unneeding, not needing care, but the reality is, is that we are all wounded, carry scars, and need to be cared for uh, by, uh, be cared for and healed uh, by Jesus, right? And so uh, when we offer bereavement groups, when we offer uh, Stephen ministry opportunities, right, we recognize that though we are uh, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps people, everyone who sits in the pews, or even the chancel area, bears wounds and scars and needs to be cared for. Connect is where that happens. Um, And then uh, grow is the place where we learn uh, about Jesus. And as we learn about Jesus, we want our lives to mirror Jesus's life. And one of the things that Jesus does is he serves others. And so uh, serve is the next step as we reach out to serve uh, others. So the idea of being in ministry with and for all persons means that if we spot a societal evil, right, no one expects, um, no one thinks it's right uh, for teens who are struggling with sexual identity, especially if they are in the minority, um, uh, to commit suicide. Uh, we want to be a, a life-saving station, uh, regardless of who that life is, where it comes from, and how they identify their uh, sexual identity. Um, in the same way that, um, you know, we care deeply about, um, uh, you know, uh, the establishment of shalom zones in economically disadvantaged uh, environments, same idea, right? We want to go to where people are uh, wounded and help them find Jesus and become whole. Um, the uh, new room, uh, the first uh, building the um, Wesley, United, uh, the Methodist movement in England uh, built was a three-leveled room, uh, three-leveled building. The bottom floor was a closed closet and a soup kitchen. Um, the second floor was the preaching environment, the, the sanctuary. 
Um, why was it on the second floor? Is because in those days, saying that you were saved by grace through faith, you'd start a riot <laughs> with some people. And so um, they put it up on the second floor and put bars uh, over the stained glass because they knew rocks were coming. And the third floor of that building was the place where the circuit riding preachers would stay overnight because no one was truly appointed to the new room. You uh, rode your circuit and were invited to preach there. So whereas we see sometimes in today's world, um, you know, uh, the more conservative evangelical soup kitchen, it's all right, say the sinner's prayer before we pass out the meal, right? And then when you look at the left, maybe Unitarians, well, we don't really worry about what you believe, but here, let's feed your stomach. Methodists hit right in the middle. Uh, we're not going to exclude people who aren't uh, of the same faith, um, but we also are gonna make sure that we, don't, uh, we um, feed everyone's stomach as well, right? So it's this um, meeting in the middle there. And so when people are suffering and in pain, uh, we believe Jesus sends us out to care for them. All right. Um, what, what, any questions about stance of the Methodist Church, uh, how it changes, how long have we been in this, any of that? Yes, ma'am. So if I have a student, back just a little sweetie, if I have a student who's suicidal because he or she realizes that his or her sexual preference is not heterosexual, right. according to the Methodist Church, I can say, oh honey, yes, you come to church, and we'll love you and we'll take care of you, but we can never encourage you to fulfill your sexual identity. We think you need, this is exactly what this says, you need to be celibate for life, and should you fall in love and marry, we'll give you civil rights, but we can never bless your union. Now, why would I ask that child to come to church? That's my question. Yeah, no, um, I think the only thing that I would tweak is um, sometimes um, if we go to the point of saying, because uh, you're, you're taking from the we will not ordain you or we will not do your uh, marriage to mean um, we will not uh, encourage and inspire you. Um, no, we, we, we will. Um, you know, all people are of sacred worth um, and uh, we are figuring out how best to be in ministry with and for. Um, I mean, uh, it's not that you can't be, um, um, you can't be in a, a same-sex uh, identification and come to a Methodist church. Let's all go to um, Bering Memorial United Methodist Church on Montrose, and we will find out quickly how that church is being uh, in ministry with and for. Uh, one of the first uh, AIDS clinics uh, in the Montrose area, one of the first dental clinics uh, for people who are suffering from AIDS, um, they are on the forefront of inspiring and um, uh, encouraging. So uh, I think it's a language that we're all trying to figure out, um, and the world continues to change underneath our feet as it happens. But I think you know, most of your comment was probably quite accurate, um, except I think there are places in the United Methodist denomination where encourage and inspire is being done really well. Um, what other questions? Um, yes, sir. Peter, you addressed uh, the status of the church thinking at the moment. Uh, are you going to talk any about what may happen in the future and how the position may evolve? 
right? Um, so uh, only the general conference uh, speaks for the church and the general conference only meets every four years and they only speak for the church during that two week meeting. Um, and so uh, there are little, uh, change will happen in small punctuated uh, moments every four years. Uh, if it happens, right? Um, the church has been um, discussing and debating the issue of uh, sexual identity since 1974. So every four years since 1974. Um, lately, I would say in the last four general conferences, when the issue comes up, because it always does via legislation uh, for the stance to change, it's usually a two-thirds conservative, one-third uh, liberal vote. It's not like neck and neck if we can just find five more people, right? Um, it, it's a two thirds, one third. Now one of the interesting dynamics that's happened uh, and it's a discussion that continues to happen um, is what do you do with non-continental United States Methodists, right? We tend to think of Methodists as an American uh, denomination but we're really a global denomination with churches all throughout the world. Um, Many of you are probably familiar with the Episcopalian or Anglican uh, struggle over this issue. Um, the Episcopalian Church, which is the um, uh, American expression of Anglicanism, uh, went ahead and uh, you know they've they've kind of gone um, uh, completely inclusive with regard to social issues, uh, even electing um, uh, gay and lesbian folk to uh, bishop and to archbishop um, placements. Conservative uh, Episcopal churches that didn't agree with that stance uh, changed their alignment. They essentially said that they would now be responsible to a bishop in Africa um, and uh, carry that name. Um, now, that's interesting because in Africa, certainly, uh, they are conservative on homosexuality, um, but they are so conservative that in some countries it can be uh, a crime and you can be put to death for being gay, right? So I'm gonna go back to that stance that the United Methodist Church has, right? We believe in civil rights, we believe in uh, you know, full life, all those wonderful things, but we're not gonna ordain and we're not gonna do same-sex marriages. Um, there are some who anticipate in four or eight years. Now, the next general conference is next spring. May uh, 26th. May 20th. May 10th through 20th. Ooh, you're good. Hi. There's not a detail that I can't forget, and that's why <laughs> Kate is on staff. Right. So May of 2016 is the next time general conference will meet. Um, I don't think that we'll split that year, uh, but there are some that talk that in four or in eight years, um, that the Methodist Church could uh, split. Uh, last general conference, there was a bid for a third way, a middle road, uh, Adam Hamilton. Many of you have watched his uh, Bible study curriculum. And um, Michael Slaughter, who's uh, in Ohio at Ginghamsburg. He, we've done one of his uh, bits while I've been here. Good guys, wonderful guys. They said, hey, let, you know, uh, what is it? Um, Wesley talks about, uh, John Wesley talks about in uh, Essentials Unity, in non-essentials charity. Um, and so I think they're trying to make the bid that this is uh, not essential. Um, can we find a way to either do local control or you know, something where people can identify uh, left or right and we can still be in communion and connection together? It did not win. Now, I was, I've never been to General Conference and that's probably a good thing. Um, but I, my wondering is, did it not pass? Um, for what reason? 
And I heard some say that it was the left and the right didn't want to give up their stances, right? That, that it's hard to compromise after uh, 20 or 30 years. Um, is that a fair answer, Dennis, to the, uh, your question about what the future might hold? Visionary. <laughs> so, Visionary is a fancy word for we have to turn the recording off. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see. Yeah, the Book of Discipline is known for a lot of things. Visionary is probably not one of them. Um, so, I, and I don't necessarily do visionary very well. That's uh, why we have Kate and Lisa Michelle. Um, but thinking through, so there's some legislation from our annual conference that's going to go to general conference this year. Um, that essentially states if you've paid your apportionments out 100% for the last five years, and you're willing to make a lump sum of five years worth of apportionments, 100%, that you can walk with your property. Now, one of the rules in the Methodist Church is we don't own this property. As Chapelwood United Methodist Church, we don't own this church. Um, the denomination does. So if we were to take um, issue with any stance of the denomination, we are happy to go our own way but we leave our assets here. Um, so there's only been one time in the life of uh, mainline Protestant denominations where you were able to walk with your property and that was with the Civil War. Um, if you're a history buff, um, the split in the Methodist Episcopal Church happened prior to the outbreak of the Civil War and it went all the way to the Supreme Court because of the clause in our founding documents that say the denomination holds the property and um, the Supreme Court essentially, you know, like I'm paraphrasing, um, uh, said that if the church cannot figure out how to resolve this issue, um, how in the world will the uh, nation be able to? And so no one is leaving anyone. You, you just, you know, take your property and go. All right, so you had two churches form, Methodist Episcopal South and Methodist Episcopal North. Um, and then the reuniting of those two was in 1960 something, 50 something. 1990? 1990. Okay. 1919. There we go. That was better. My hearing wasn't good. Um, so um, it worries me um, what the future will hold. I am not the most hopeful person when it comes to this issue. Uh, Kate is much more hopeful uh, about this issue. So, um, and I think the other side of that, uh, I, to do the short answer from my perspective to Dennis's question is the future looks very different. Um, so either it will look some form of you, you take your choice and you go home. Um, part of why Slaughter and um, Adam Hamilton's plan failed was that it didn't, it didn't actually directly address the issue of homosexuality. What it did was try and restructure us as a denomination in a more localized form. So right now you have our conferences in the U.S. and then sort of everybody else, and the rules are not the same for those two groups of people. Um, and there's a whole lot of general boards and agencies that are very large and we pay a lot of money to keep running. Um, their plan dealt with how to reorganize those boards and make the U.S. conferences look a lot more like conferences around the world where control lies a lot more in the hands of the bishop and the local church on these kinds of social issues. Um, that hit a lot of nerves, not just in left and right on homosexuality, but that started playing in everybody's backyard, right? You, you started 
cutting down the number of agencies, uh, streamlining staff, and that was a very difficult change, and ultimately it failed because there were constitutional problems. The process for doing it wasn't correct. There is a plan coming forward that mirrors some of the changes in what was called Plan UMC, and that will probably continue to happen. So I think maybe the more hopeful way forward is to see some kind of large-scale restructuring that makes us a stronger denomination in terms of better stewardship of our finances, uh, fewer top-level controls, more bottom-level controls. Um, but that's going to, again, take a lot of kind of coming across the aisle and deciding to make that decision based on theology and, and core unity um, mm -hmm. rather than single social issues. Methodism has always been more a polity than a theology, right? Uh, what John Wesley um, kind of brought to the Methodist societies or, or, or created was a way in living together, right? Uh, so it was, about, um, uh, uh, it was about worship together. It was about small groups, right? You can't be Methodist and not be in a small group. Um, you have the whole uh, Whitfield and Wesley did their preaching experiment, uh, actually competition, right? Who could do better? Whitfield was known as such a great preacher that he could say the word Mesopotamia in such a way that people would be slain in the spirit and come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Uh, John Wesley was a book nerd. Um, uh, when they went out to do their preaching, uh, Whitfield would go anywhere someone invited him. Wesley would only go where there were Methodist societies and small groups. At the end of the period for the preaching experiment, uh, who had more uh, folk? Well, Whitfield had more that actually came down the aisle and gave their life, but it was the terms of the agreement was at the end of the time, who still was active in the churches? And Wesley, because he always made sure that people connected from the altar rail to the small group uh, had more, right? Um, and so being uh, a people and a, a polity, right? And then it was, oh, well, we have too many small groups and too many societies and not enough pastors. Great. So instead of having one pastor go to one society, they'll now itinerate, right? Um, the idea of a two or three or four point charge is kind of part of who our polity is. Um, when the Louisiana Purchase was purchased, um, Asbury saw fit to appoint one pastor to the Louisiana Territory Circuit. Um, folk uh, arriving uh, from Manifest Destiny in California uh, said that um, the only people that they found were Native Americans and Methodist preachers. Um, <laughs> there was a statement uh, by pioneers that said, um, uh, if you wanted to describe uh, bad weather or a bad circumstance, you would say the only people that are out today are the crows and the Methodist preachers, <laughs> right? Um, so we have often been more of a polity than a theology. Right? And so it gets really hard, right? Remember uh, uh, Wesley's answer to transubstantiation, the theological idea that the bread and the juice of communion become the real body and the real blood uh, of Jesus, right? This is a Catholic view. It's, uh, actually, it's a beautiful um, uh, theological statement about uh, the Eucharist and uh, grace. Uh, Wesley, I don't have time for that. There are people who need to hear the gospel. There are uh, uh, hurt people that need to be cared for. We've been a polity more so than we've been a theology. And so this is one of those things that strikes at both, right? 
Um, what, what, how will we live together and what do we believe? Um, and so uh, I know um, a lot of my experience is having come from uh, the conservative side of the world, grew up in the Woodlands, um, uh, went to Stephen F. Austin, um, went to Duke, which isn't left or right, it's just orthodox, which is a really snobbish way of saying we're right, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> And yeah, and we, yeah, we can do it in MLA, Chicago style, APA, what do you want? Um, so, um, so I can speak more from that community. Um, and so the idea of local control, uh, so, so Baptist churches, right, they call their own pastor, they fire their own pastor, they have key leadership that makes decisions, right? The Southern Baptist Convention does not say anything about what individual Baptist churches think, believe, or do. But if you want to be part of the convention, well, you should subscribe to the planks, right? Um, in the United Methodist Church, we are not local control, we are connectional, right? Um, the bishop appoints pastors, moves pastors, um, and people sitting in the pews say, thank you, we love being Methodist, right? Sometimes they're good moves, sometimes they're good fits, sometimes they're not. Um, and so the idea of local control feels to some that we're giving up our heritage, right? The idea of uh, polity. Now what's interesting about heritage, um, few people these days have, in our annual conference, have um, multi-point circuits, right? In fact, I don't even think there's, there's not one here in our area. There used to be one, Freeport first, used to be with Jones Creek, and it was a two-point charge. Oyster, Oyster Creek, sorry. I messed that one up, um, right? But they've split that one right, and they've sent pastors to both. So even our way of doing appointments is changing. And all the good studies say that longer appointments make more vital churches. So, so how do you still be Methodist and itinerate people and still be vital, which longer, are you kind of catching me there? So the whole polity thing is interesting. Is that, is that better? I don't know if I got to visionary. In the last 10 years, it was a two-point charge in Angleton. Oh, there you go. That's better history. Thank you. Yeah. What, um, Don, yes? I was going to ask if you could talk about the... Would, would you talk about the changes that have occurred with the Boy Scouting program and how the Methodist Church is going to address that? No softballs there. You might want to sit down. <laughs> no softball there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, I want to go back. I know it feels cumbersome, but the, our way of deciding about same-sex marriage and homosexuality is that two-handed piece. Acceptance, inclusion, right? Um, but when it comes to ordination and marriage, no, right? Do we welcome folk who are in same-sex partnerships? Sure, they're members like everyone else. All, uh, all are of sacred worth made in the image of God. So my guess, not being an expert in Boy Scouts, the decision to allow its uh, adult leaders um, uh, to, uh, who are um, of same-sex identification to serve as leaders with kids, right? Is that Help me know the Boy Scouts' decision. The Boy Scout decision right now is that they are allowing gay leaders. Yep. But it's up to the local charter organization to decide who will be the leader. Wow. Okay. That, well, that's nice of them to let the chartering organization. So that's what they're doing. Wait, are you under? 
Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to go back to the book of discipline. I know it's not very visionary, but um, though it is not the standard in our community, there are perfectly wonderful United Methodist churches who love Jesus and teach from the Bible and have folk in leadership who are gay and lesbian. Um, I think what's uh, challenging here is recognizing that um, if you're of the camp that decides that gay and lesbian as a lifestyle is a sin, are there other lifestyles that are sinful as well? Right? So um, uh, I often say to the staff, um, when uh, when it becomes an issue, we'll make a decision. Um, I don't think uh, the current... um, Boy Scouts are proposing uh, any gay and lesbian uh, leaders. And so I'm going to go back to the Book of Discipline. And w- when it happens, when that uh, challenge presents itself, uh, we will um, be faithful in ministry with and for all and find a way uh, to negotiate tr- through. Uh, it, you you want to hit that one back at me and make me actually answer the question? Or <laughs> Tony's got a hand back there. Okay. I know it's wrong to use the Bible as a cudgel. Wrong to use My the Bible as what? It's wrong to use the Bible as a cudgel, as a, as a club. Yes, to beat people so up. So I'm not hundred. trying yes. to do that, except that I am. Um, my understanding in the Old and New Testament combined is there are a variety of sins, and God hates all of them and loves all of us. So if the Methodist, excuse me, the Methodist church is going to focus on the practice of homosexuality, then I think you better jump up and practice on the practice, focus on the practice of gossip, obesity, not taking care of the environment. I certainly think it ought to go back to forbidding divorce and treating all divorced people as being in adulterous relationships, should they marry, and they certainly should not be allowed to marry in the church. Yes. I mean, let's, let's just be honest. Well, I, I think Paul in Romans summed it all up. There is none worthy, no, not one, for all have sinned and fall short okay, of the glory of God. All right. I mean, I, I think um, the Bible is of one voice in saying we are all uh, condemned to death by our sin. Um, so um, certainly um, there are more ills in society than this. Um, certainly, uh, we should um, address all ills of society as well. Um, the, the, uh, well oh, to, I had a thought. I would say, to be fair, um, the Book of Resolution, we are focusing today on this one um, because this is the question that was asked and a question that is prevalent. Um, the Book of Resolutions is a giant document that we boil down to the social principles to make more easy. Um, but the, historically and currently, the Methodist Church has been on the forefront of things like the redemption of all creation, which leads to sustainability and kind of green theology. And we've been on the forefront of the women's movement, the education movement. We have cared about many social issues across time. Um, We have named sin in many, many forms. And we'll continue to do that at the next general conference. There will be legislation about a variety of things. In fact, one of the things the bishops try and do every year is take all of the homosexuality legislation and package it down into a single debate time on general conference so it doesn't take over general conference and the church can continue to be prophetic in other areas as well as as talk about sexuality 
Well, I mean, how many denominations can say that you got an amendment to the Constitution? <laughs> it was us, right? I mean, don't. Yeah, they got repealed, though. So. No, hey, but for a while, <laughs> we were the temperance group, right? I mean, uh, don't, you know, um, let's all remember that there's a bishop with the last name of Welch. Welch's grape juice, right? It wasn't possible to go into prohibition until you could find some way to make uh, grape juice um, stable uh, without refrigeration. And so the pasteurization of uh, grape juice developed by Welch's uh, company uh, allowed uh, for the sacrament to still happen and uh, for uh, prohibition to start. Uh, Francis Willard, good Garrett, uh, Chicago Evanston kind of a Methodist woman. United Methodist women never mess with UMW, right? Because she was a UMW president. And she made it happen, right? In the midst of industrialization, when people moved off the farms into the city, they lost their support communities. Um, the men would get paid uh, in cash on Fridays. As they walked home to the tenement houses where they lived, uh, they would stop by the, by the bar and quite possibly um, spend the whole paycheck getting drunk, uh, went home, uh, horrible ills that might happen like spousal abuse and other things, right? Francis Willard said enough. That they, she referred to it as demon rum. Right? So I think the heart of uh, Methodism's propheticness is still there. Um, we're just uh, in a huge cultural milieu, milieu that is making this the most important issue um, on the headlines. Um, can we talk about Bible or Bishop, or do you want to keep asking questions about process and stance? Anyway, oh, good. I got Roger over here, and then we'll come over. Uh, what happens? if that one sentence is eliminated from the Book of Discipline. Right, so I don't know which sentence, the because three, there's a lot of them. 341.6. I gotta get the right piece of paper. Do you wanna read no, that one no. sentence for? Ceremonies that celebrate homosexuality union shall not be conducted by our ministers and shall not be conducted in our churches. Um, my hope is that after deleting that sentence, they will give us some guidance on what we can do um, and how to do it. Um, I, so this is not a dodge, but a little history lesson, right? When you get married, you come to the church. Uh, the church requires premarital counseling, at least I do, um, and we do the wedding. And I sign a court document as an officer of the court to say, I presided at your wedding. Um, in America, to be that person who signs the marriage license, you can be a judge, you can be um, a, a minister uh, of a church or a religion, or you can join the internet church and get ordained in that much, right? You can print out a certificate and you will be an ordained minister of whatever internet church it is, and you can then sign that document. But it, it, when you think about the church and the state, working together, it was uh, a good thing, right? As America kind of grew up and uh, as those uh, traditions happened, it was helpful, right? Methodism is one of the most American forms of church possible. We vote on everything except for pastors, right? Um, and uh, it was said that in the 1950s, uh, three quarters of all of Congress identified as United Methodist. Now that's not true anymore. But uh, during that moment, it was. So what if the answer to um, the issue of marriage was um, allowing marriage to be termed as a religious right and allowing uh, civil partnership 
to be the term that a JP would do. Um, so if one wants to enjoy the benefits from the government of being in a partnership, great, go to the courthouse where the Supreme Court has already said, you know, this is the law of the land, and then feel free to come back to the church and be blessed um, if your religious practice so allows that. That would be one fix, right? Now, is that a popular fix? Am I elected to journal conference? Am I gonna be a congressman? Oh no, I'm just a small United Methodist pastor. But the, the challenge is, uh, having worked with the state, we gave up some of those definitions of what would be appropriate. Um, and so now that uh, after however many years, uh, there's some separation in where the state's going and where the church is going, um, how do you bridge and handle that gap? And you know, for, for me, one of the ideas is go ahead and, and let it be separate, right? Instead of using pastors as officers of the court, let the court do a civil partnership and let religious uh, leaders uh, do a marriage. Is that, is that a dodge? Feel free to ask again. Uh, as you as a pastor, when you conduct a marriage, you actually perform two functions. Yes. You're performing the ceremony and the religious. Uh, yes. And affirming the yeah. union and side of God and in front of all of the participants. Exactly. Then when you sign the paper yep. that actually makes the marriage legal. Yep. You are performing the secular side of the... Exactly. And it's the, the issue, the, the, people continually confuse those and separate and put them in a single thing and it's not. Right. Because yep. more often than not, it's my opinion and my little bitty opinion that same-sex marriages is more about civil rights than it is about religious union. Hmm. So um, I, we, can, we can leave that topic. We can keep with that topic. I'm also willing to talk about the bishop's letter uh, and other bishops, how they've, um, uh, what letters they've sent. Um, and I'm happy to talk about Bible. Um, was it, I, I know, Mr. Soka, we had your hand from before. question is real simple, I guess. For me, for me, I, I mean, I'm, I'm asking this question because I don't know. Where does this church stand as far as appointing people to committees or having homosexuals that are members of the church teach children? Okay, where do we stand right. in this church on ideas like that? Who are we gonna send to General Conference? Are we gonna send them? Right. Are we, okay, you still understand the question? Yes, so uh, as long as I'm senior pastor, the way I've uh, instructed the staff is that we will abide by the Book of Discipline, whether um, individual opinions uh, are more conservative or more liberal. Uh, we're United Methodist Church. Um, in that way, uh, you know, part of my covenant as an ordained United Methodist pastor is to uphold the Book of Discipline. Um, so. Uh, most of the, so, so the short answer is, we go back to all can attend, all can join, and uh, leadership uh, in the United Methodist Church, um, the only restriction is you gotta be a member. There's no gender identity conversation. And I, I'm sure, I, I know there are difference of opinions all around. 
it is my opinion that when one talks about gay and lesbian, that is a um, choice about lifestyle. When one talks about um, uh, child abuse, sexual abuse, predators, that type of stuff, th that um, is not uh, the same as being identified as gay or lesbian, right? And so I have no issue with my daughter being led, taught by the Bible, uh, cared for um, by someone who is gay or lesbian. Um, I, I also, um, you know, um, again, we go back to that sin question, right? So it's interesting, you know, the, the New Testament has, I think it's like seven statements about sexuality, uh, the New Testament. Um, uh, the um, New Testament has uh, like 300 statements about money, right? So, so I might have more of an issue with people teaching my daughter based upon their credit report um, than their identity uh, and gender, right? Um, so is that, is that helpful? And let's be honest, when we talk about delegates to uh, annual conference, um, Valroy has been uh, one of our delegates to annual conference uh, longer than I've been alive. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and, oh no, that was a compliment. Wasn't that a compliment? Lies. Diplomat. I really buried myself there. And then Jim Hill is one of our uh, delegates to annual conference. And um, Pat Erskine, uh, Pat, Pat, Pat Erskine is one of our delegates to annual conference. Um, and so um, I have never been in a church where I have changed those people. Um, I do not think it is my uh, responsibility to do that. Now, if any of the three of them came to me and said, I'd like to not serve any longer, great, let's begin praying about who will follow you, right? Um, so I think that covers all of your question. Well, I, I saw Aubrey over here and some other um, hands as well. I just had a real quick question. Uh, when did the General Conference approve women to be ordina ordained as pastors? You've gone from preaching to meddling. Um, Kate, you went to Garrett. Uh, when did that happen? Oh, that's cute. Thank Sorry. You. Yeah. We learned a lot of things at Duke, but we didn't memorize that date. It's a good thing that, that women are ordained because my sister, I'm president of her fan club. She's an ordained United Methodist. Um, you got anything on that one? So I, I know the first woman bishop was 1982. Good job. Bishop uh, Leontine Kelly, right? Leontine, oh, yeah. No, oops, I screwed that one up too. Um, so I, I, I think that it was actually pre-merger on one side, okay. um, and that it, it was part of that merger negotiation, but it didn't happen in, in, when it was approved and when it happened in practicality was right. really well to different states. There are still churches in our conference who've never had a female pastor. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes when a female pastor is sent to a church for the first time, um, the instructions given to the pastor is, um, do not do ma major changes. You because are you change. are the change <laughs> as the pastor, right? I mean, that, it was not yeah, meant yeah. to be funny, but this is uh, a conversation it's helpful to kind of think um, how that works. Um, the, um, yeah, it was a thank you. So something that I want to say for everybody, right? The United Methodist Church has a delightful website that answers a lot of these questions from Book of Resolutions and Book of Discipline and Scripture. So um, literally this morning, um, I mean, I had to make my own handout, but I got all the data by typing into Google, United Methodist Church, homosexuality, press return, and it pulled up a really wonderful uh, Q&A. I didn't copy all of it, um, but most of it. Um, so I, I encourage you, like you could put in women ordination, United Methodist Church, 
You know, and if it takes you to umc.org, you're good. They're gonna have a nice Q&A because the brand name loyalty of denominations is gone, right? Uh, in fact, over the last uh, uh, two months, uh, there's been uh, folk from Brazos Point um, uh, uh, Fellowship that have been kind of church shopping, right? And so it's, you kind of have to start all over. All right, so what do Methodists believe? And, and what do we do? And how do we think about this, right? So the conversation is being had all over the place. And one of the things the church has done is put a lot of good information on the UMC website. What other, uh, any questions? Um, I, I think that new clock is slow. I don't know. No. Just kidding. Mm, no. somebody when I walked in the door. All right, so who went long? <laughs> All right. So uh, what other questions might you have? Or statements? Or, you know, we can talk about, oh, that's right, Valroy had his hand up. Sorry. I think somebody was confused. It said, thought our congregation was going to send delegates to the general conference. That, that does right. not happen. Those delegates right. are elected to the general conference at the annual conference, right. and that's already happened. Our annual conference is allowed 18 Delegates, nine clergy, and, and nine ladies. So our, our congregation does not send delegates to the general conference. If it would be helpful, um, we could invite members of the delegation um, that's going to general conference from our uh, geographic area to come and talk. I, in fact, know one really well. We grew up in the same house together, right? <laughs> so if you'd like, we could invite Lacey to come and talk about either before or after or both. Um, I'm all for y'all knowing, you know, your polity and your heritage. What, what other questions? I saw Robert in the back. Are you? Uh, so my question was, God views sin equally, regardless of what the sin is, but humans don't. So gay people tend to view it as a lifestyle, not a sin, whereas murder or something like that is a sin separate from the lifestyle. Nice. Yeah. So as a biblical approach for our church, how do we welcome them in without encouraging the sin? Okay. So maybe this is that visionary moment that Dennis was asking for. Uh, so recently, um, listening to uh, a couple of different speakers who've thought about this, um, here are the questions that kind of bring some wisdom for me. Uh, when you confine your uh, searching to um, uh, Gospels, and when you look at who Jesus gets angry with or judgmental, it's oftentimes teachers of the law, priests, rabbis, people who should know better. When Jesus encounters those who have sinned, if we wanna you know, be real focused, right? Uh, woman at the well, right? Um, he, he, he knows who she is, right? She says, oh, uh, you know, I'm not married now. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, you're not married now, but you have been. And the person that you're living with right now, you're not married to, and you're living in sin, right? All of that, right? Does he yell at her? Does he scream at her? No, he tells her about the water of life and invites her into relationship. Um, the woman caught in adultery. What does he say at the end, right? Does he, does he do this to her? Right, not. And when he gets to the end, he says, go and send him more, Right? So um, I like to think about it in terms of two things, acceptance and approval. As long as the Book of Discipline says that a same-sex marriage is not a marriage and it's not approved, that's the stance. But acceptance, Jesus accepted everyone. Jesus uh, welcomed, right? This is where I kind of tie into the ministry with and for all people. I, I really do believe that uh, people do not join a church 
and become Christians. They do not become Christians and then join a church. I believe you belong before you become and believe. And I'd love for it to be different. It'd be great. Show me that, you know, <laughs> um, fountain of fully formed Christians and I'll go after them, right? But in reality, you have to belong before you become or believe. And so I'm willing for anyone to belong because it's true, I mean, I wanna be like Jesus, right? So if I say, no, I'm not gonna baptize your child. No, I'm not gonna put you on a committee. No, I'm not gonna let you sit in the pews. Then I've just cut off the opportunity to be Christ to them. So that's, there's your, I found my visionary part just for a brief moment, right? So um, what other questions? Um, we got like two minutes. Miss Rhonda? Two minutes, yes, yes. Any, any, and I'll try not to answer more than 10 minutes. Um. <laughs> is this flock a new addition and it come down when it comes time for preaching? Or? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a gift from Jake Rathbun. And I'm still trying to figure out, you know, because every gift has <laughs> strings attached. Hey, they don't even let me near the pulpit these days. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> All right, any other serious questions? Valroy. On the bishop letter, she says, I'm planning a conclave on pastoral responses to the Supreme Court decision early August. Do you know any more about that? Yes, August the 27th at First United Methodist Church in Conroe. Uh, I know Kate and I will be attending. Uh, it'll be, uh, there's two folks from uh, the Indiana Annual Conference that'll be coming down. Uh, one was a past president of the Confessing Movement, uh, and the other one is the pastor of a very socially uh, justice-oriented congregation, large church there in Indiana. They'll be talking about, you know, just kind of the awkwardness and uh, how to live out the Book of Discipline, because uh, they've been for a year now. It was in October. I want to say of 2014 that um, Indiana chose uh, to make uh, same-sex marriages uh, legal. And so they've been living in the circumstance that we're coming into uh, for the last year. Oh, um, let's, Miss Potter. Oh, sorry, August the 27th in First United, at First United Methodist Church, Conroe. Um, I think the expectation was that would be a pastoral uh, visit, but um, I'm happy if y'all want to carpool and go with me. Um, I, I think the more you know about your heritage, the more you know about your polity, the better off we are. Oh, I'm five seconds over. What a great time we've had together. <laughs> Um, I, I, wanna, I, I do want to say how thankful I am for the conversation. I also want to say, um, if you haven't gotten the sense that Kate, Lisa, Michelle, and I have an open door and would love to talk about any and all of these issues, I hope you've gotten it today. Um, I really am interested uh, in um, your experiences, uh, your reason, uh, the traditions that you find valuable, and also how we read scripture together. And so please don't be a stranger. Um, I'm happy uh, to have this conversation over a cup of coffee, um, you know, every day for the next, you know, until general conference comes. Um, so let me know how best I can shepherd and pastor you. Can we close with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we give thanks. Uh, for uh, the gospel which has set us free. Uh, Lord, continue to inspire and encourage us to be in ministry for and with everyone that we might spread the seed of the gospel so wide and so far in places where we think it has no hope of coming to fruition. But remind us, Lord, uh, that we may scatter, we may water, uh, but you bring the growth. 
And so, Lord, grow us today uh, as we seek to be more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whom we pray this day. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you.